This is the Christian Life Center podcast. Here at CLC, we are messengers of hope, where we believe in taking God's message of hope everywhere we go to everyone we meet. From wherever you are, be encouraged by this week's message. Amen. Well, thank you for your giving. So good to be in the house of the Lord. Amen. Man, can we just show our appreciation to our worship team? Don't they do a wonderful job leading us? week after week after week into the presence of the Lord. Well, I got to tell you, I just got back from Jamaica last night. We had a pastor's encounter. Pastor Candy and the rest of the team are flying in uh, today. We had about 50 pastors and ministers that was there. And what just, what a powerful time. I just have to say, you would be so proud of what God is doing through CLC. And as we're reaching out to these other countries and partnering with the pastors and leaders there, it's just wonderful to see the refreshing and the renewing. So we give God all the praise and glory. And man... I'm telling you, I'm excited to see what God's going to continue to do. But there's no place like home. Turn to your neighbor, say, there's no place like home. And man, I just love watching and seeing what God is doing right here uh, in our midst at Christian Life Center. And I'm excited that you're here uh, today. Last week we had, I'm sorry, I'm getting everything together. My notes got all mixed up as I was coming out here. Uh, Last week we uh, had... um, And Pastor Christian really coined it well for us. We had um, our message on I Choose Unity, and we can't have community without unity. And that was the title that I'm leading into this week is I Choose Community. Last week, I Choose Unity. This week, I Choose Community. So turn to your neighbor, nudge them if you're in the room, and say, Choose Community. Now, why do we say that as we're coming into one of the most important times for us during the whole year? We do a lot of great things at Christian Life Center, and uh, we really uh, we really strive to be a healthy uh, church that uh, really just uh, runs after the, the four core values of who we are as a church, because we believe that's what God wants for us. And when he looks down at Christian Life Center, when he looks at you and I, what brings pleasure to the heart of God, it comes back to our four core values. And one of those core values is that we value connecting together. Say that with me. We value connecting together. And one of the main things that we do every year to help us to begin to connect together because our purpose is to help you find and form deep biblical friendships and relationships. Let me say it again. Our purpose as a church, as leadership, is to help you find and form deep biblical friendships. And one of the things that we do every year, one of the most important things that really we do every fall, in fact, we bring everything into alignment and into unity, is what we call the spiritual growth campaign. Now, some of you may be fairly new to Christian Life Center, and you may be saying, what is a spiritual growth campaign? Or you just heard SGC, SGC. What's SGC? And I always flip it around, you know. Uh, I always say, you know, SCG and, you know, CGS, and I mix it all up. So let me just say, spiritual growth campaign. What is that? 
Well, let me take a moment and just kind of help you to understand what it is, why this kit is so important. And I've got to tell you, this is one of our best kits. And our team wrote this, developed it, everything but the book that goes with it. Uh, we wrote and developed. But let me tell you, you need this book. You've got to get this book. If you read this book, it will transform your life. And what we do in a spiritual growth campaign and why it's so important is that we bring everything into alignment. Our weekend services, with our life groups, with our devotions, in our kids ministry, youth ministry, young adults, everything for six weeks, 40 days, and we push ourselves to grow. We push ourselves for six weeks to say, God, we're gonna touch you, we're gonna grow in you, we're gonna do it corporately together in all areas of our life, our small group, our weekend service, my private devotion, kids, youth, young adult, all of it coming into, uh, into alignment for six weeks. Now, if you work out, you know there's times that you push harder, that you work a little bit harder to stretch and to grow. Well, that's what happens in the spiritual growth campaign is we're pushing ourselves a little bit harder. And at the end of the six weeks, at the end of the spiritual growth campaign, we do a project in the community together. We adopt projects. Actually, it'll be more than one. And we, we really just serve the community. We love the community. And at the end of this, you know, of the six weeks spiritual growth campaign, we're unifying and saying, let's make a commitment to be a lighthouse and to make a, uh, just make a major spiritual impact within our community. And so it's a very important time for us where we are coming together. And I want to encourage you to be a part. Don't miss out. The Bible says spur, spur one another on. You know, encourage one another. And I want to encourage you, don't be left out. Don't miss. Be a part. In fact, today, I want you to be a little bold. I want you to ask people around you when you're leaving, hey, are you in a life group? Have you got your kit yet? I want you to encourage one another, spur one another on, because I don't want anyone to be left out. No one left behind. Amen? No one left behind. Everybody's walking with us. And as we walk together in unity through our community, God will release an anointing. And so as we do it, Pastor Christian said, you've got to pick up a kit. You've got to order it online. You need to get it today. We start next weekend. So you need to get your kit on the way out today. The book, the journal, all of that is going to be very, very important. Now, before I begin to preach, I want you to do me a favor. If you're in the building, if you're online, they're going to put the link there online. Is I want you to go ahead and take out or get this little card that you were given as you came in today. This little established card. Were you given this card? I see head shaking. You were not given this card. Okay, I'm hearing yes and I'm seeing heads say no. Do you have that card? Wave it at me. Wave it at me. All right, Elena was making sure yes went out there. That They have that card. I want you to take your card if you're in the building. If you're online, they're going to throw a link there right now. And what I want you to do is I want you to go ahead, even begin I, before I begin to preach, even before I begin to preach, I want you to go ahead. If you're not in a life group, just put your name. Go ahead and begin to fill this out for me even right now. Somebody may need a pin around you. Help them. Help them to fill this out. Now, if you're already in a life group, you don't have to do this. 
But if you're not in a life group, I want to encourage you, urge you right now. Take it out. Go ahead and begin to fill it out. All right. Turn the book of Philippians. We are finishing. We've gone through this summer the book of Philippians. Hasn't it been rich? Hasn't it been so good? I'm telling you, man, I have just been so encouraged by it, just digging in and, and studying a book of the Bible. I love doing that every summer uh, with us. We usually go through books of the Bible, and I'm glad we did this book this year. We're finishing, but we skipped chapter 2, and so we're going back, and we're going to finish today through the book of Philippians by finishing chapter 2. And so, Father, as we open your word now, I pray that you'll take your word I pray that you'll use it in our heart and in our lives. Challenge us, inspire us, lead us. Use this word today to encourage, motivate, and, and just uh, move us into your will and your purposes. Illuminate. Say illuminate. God, illuminate your word to us today. And all God's people said amen and amen. In today's passage, Paul is going to talk about two friends in his life, Timothy and Ephroditus. These were, these were two brothers. We call our men's ministry brotherhood. These were two men in brotherhood that really were brothers to Paul. They were deep, deep friends of Paul. I told you, our purpose, one of our values, is connecting together and one of our purposes is to help you find and form deep biblical friendships. Well, Timothy and Ephroditus were two deep friends of Paul. They were blessings to him. And in his letters, he, he, he talks about them. And yet, I know by studying the life of Paul that not only did he have these two men in his life, but Paul mentions over 60 different names in the letters that he writes of individuals that were close to him, that he had relationship with, remember them, pray for them, uh, I thank God for them, or some that have departed, they 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 deserted, they, they didn't finish their course and they didn't run their race. Paul might have even mentioned their names, but over 60 different names of individuals that had a relationship, a friendship, and he was in community with, he was with them, and, and he did ministry with them. And it shows us for Paul, the value of friendships and relationships and community was very, very important. These two guys specifically in the book of Philippians, he mentions. And when you look at them and we'll look at their lives in a moment, I've got to tell you, it is impossible. Hear me today. It is impossible to put a price tag on friendship. When you have deep biblical friends, let me tell you, you cannot put a, you cannot put a price tag on that. If you're a husband and wife and you've got others that you are friends with and both of you get along with them, the Brits would say, you know, if you really get along with them, husband and wife, there's a unity and a friendship, value that because it doesn't come around much. Many do not have it. We don't put a pride, we don't, we don't put a value on friendships. And that's why I'm telling you today that it is priceless. You cannot put a price tag on friendships. And Paul's going to show us some characteristics of these men, these brothers, the brotherhood that he had with them. And he's going to show you the value that they had in his life. And for pastors and leaders, 
Maybe for all of our CLC family today, let me just tell you, we've got to make this a priority to have friendships in our lives. Relationships with others that are close to us, those that are, that are, that are like family to us. Say family. Man, when we go to Israel, one of the call signs to come and gather together is we say family. Say it with me. Family. Why don't we just start doing that, man? Family, and it was just like a call sign that when you start hearing family, I mean, there can be thousands of people, and all of a sudden, you'll start hearing Tony or 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 or, or our, our tour guide or others saying, family, that's all they say, family, and man, all of a sudden, I mean, everybody just starts coming because they're, we knew that that was our rallying cry. But could it be more than just a rallying together to get ready to move to the next thing? But that there's something there that we know that we are. Oh, some of you getting it, but the rest of you say it with me. We are family. Turn to someone around and say, we are family. Say it again to someone else. We are family. Not just to your husband and wife. No, we all are family. And man, when you have biblical friendships where you feel like you are family, it motivates you, it encourages you, it inspires you, it challenges you. But let me say most of all, it is vital. But yet we're living in a time and an age where we don't feel like it's vital. I was with someone not long ago and they said, the only friends I have in my life is my physical family. And I tell you, that's not God's plan. God's plan, and it is vital that you have a spiritual family. You have those that walk with you, and they're together with you. And there is a sisterhood and a, and a brotherhood among the family of God. Well, Paul talks about two in his life. Now, before I get to looking at a few characteristics of their life, I want to pick up where we left off last week. And that is where Paul leaves us in Philippians chapter 2. We went up to verse 11 last week, but let me pick up in verse 12. Paul says, therefore, say it with me, therefore, all that he was talking about, that because of Christ's selfless humility, because of Christ's profound obedience, because of the example that we have in Christ, therefore... It's going on, and he's saying, therefore, he says, because of, therefore, because of all of that, continue, underline it, to work out your salvation with what? Fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you, underline it, and he will work in you to will and to do according to his good Paul is saying, man, it's a, it's a strange commandment. And sometimes this commandment right here can give a little bit of confusion because we can fall on one of two extremes. Because what Paul is not saying, Paul is not saying work harder to earn your salvation. That's not what Paul is saying. So that's one extreme is I got to work harder. There's rules, there's regulations, there's all this I got to do. And if I do it, I will be accepted by God. I'll be loved by God more. 
Well, I'm here to tell you today, God can't love you any more than he already loves you. You're not working out your salvation to gain the love of God. So he's not saying you got to work harder, but neither is he saying there's nothing that you've got to do. That there's nothing that we can do. No, there's a balance somewhere in there. There is our part and there is God's part. And in the midst of that, there's God's sovereignty and there's man, or let me do it this way, God's sovereignty and man's responsibility. And in there is a biblical tension. Now you and I learn to live within that tension of our responsibility and God's sovereignty. So here, what he says is, work out. Now, when he says, work out, that is man's responsibility. That is what we begin to do. Now, we're not working for our salvation, but we're working out our salvation. Now, what does that mean? I'm saved by grace. Yes, we're saved by grace as we repent of our sin we renounce it and we turn it away and we we say, I want no part of it. I want to reflect the holiness of God and I'm going to walk in obedience to God. It's that walk of obedience. The walking out is my responsibility. God saves me when I repent and I renounce, but as I renounce, there's a determination in me and that's my responsibility. It's the work of sanctification. It's the life of obedience to begin to walk out. And it's a walk of obedience. Now, you got to remember the broader context of what Paul is talking about here is Paul is urging the church to be like-minded in their unity. He's urging the church to love and to pursue God, to, to, to understand that that we've got to avoid selfishness and conceit and pride. And we've got to choose joy and hope and peace in our life. We've got to choose these things. We've got to choose to live Christ-like. And that Christ is our ultimate example. What he is saying is there's choices, man's responsibility. There's choices that we make. And when we make those choices, there is a walk of obedience in our life. Now, why are... Why are we so committed to life groups? Why are we, why are we so committed to connecting you in, in relationship with one another? Why is it one of our four core values as a church? We have four core values. What does Christian Life Center try to do? It's one of four things. What do we want you to learn to experience in God? It's one of four things. To experience God, to connect together, to grow in the character of Christ and to learn to be a disciple of Christ that ministers under Christ by using your gifts so you grow and serve. And lastly, we impact our world. That we have a message of hope. And we take that message of hope everywhere we go to everyone we meet. Well, life groups are an important value for us because it's in the life group that we work out what God is working in. You see, if, if you're new to our church family, if you're, if you might have been in, in the church for years and years and years, but you're new to CLC, you've never been in a group before, let me tell you, life groups help you to work out what God is working in. Now you may say, okay, pastor, I'm new. What is a life group? 
Okay, well, a life group is a gathering of a few people. Three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Sometimes, you know, ten or twelve. We really don't want it to get more than about 10 or 12 because we don't want it to be a service or a meeting, but we want it to be a gathering where you're coming together, where three, four, five, six, eight, ten 10 people can get together, maybe in a home, maybe in a coffee shop. Some will meet in their offices, some at university, uh, you know, cafes or lounges, maybe in a community room of your clubhouse or something. But you meet together to share and discuss the word of God, you pray for one another, you might eat a meal or share some uh, a snack or coffees together, but what you're doing is you're gathering with others. And in that gathering, you're working out, without even realizing it, you're working out your faith in your salvation. You're working it out. Now, I know that when you hear work out your salvation, like Paul was saying, you're like, I don't have to work anything out because I'm saved by the grace of God. That is true. I'm saved by God's sovereignty and grace, but there is a working out of my faith. Let me say it another way. I didn't want to change what Paul said, work out your salvation, but I've got to walk out my faith and I've got to develop my faith. I've got to grow my faith. Why are some up and down in their spiritual life is they've not learned how to walk out their faith. They hear a word, but they don't know how to walk it out and live it out in their life. And so when you get into a small group, a life group, you support one another. You encourage one another. You pray for one another. You really come to a place where you understand the grace of the Lord. Now I want to share with you a testimony of one of our single mothers in our church Michelle Hamilton. Michelle's here today. I think Michelle's right here. Michelle, would you stand up? Can we put a camera so the audience online can see you as well? Michelle, thank you for sharing your testimony with me. I'm going to read it, and I want to share with the congregation what you've shared with me. Michelle said, when I first came to CLC, I remember feeling peace, feeling joy and excitement, nervous, but also I was feeling separated. Separated because everyone else seemed to know each other despite CLB, CLC being such a huge church. However, I, on the other hand, wasn't even sure where the elevator was in order to get to the second floor. How come newcomers always want to sit on the second floor? I mean, let's get as far away from pastor as we can, right? I didn't even know where the elevator was to get to the second floor. I remember it was during the sermon, a.k.a. series, the names of God, last year, April, uh, April, that I heard Pastor Nadine speak about joining a life group. I recall asking the person sitting next to me to explain what a life group actually was because before that day, I had never heard of that term or I didn't even understand or know or have an idea of what it was, a life group. So after they explained it to me, my first reaction was, voila, I like that. (laughs) Wow, that's really available here? They really have that here? I remember going up to Pastor Tom in the Connection Center after worship and saying, I really want to join a single mom's life group. How would I go about doing this? I was soon introduced to a wonderful group of women who I now consider as my Family. Can you say that together? Turn to your neighbor, say, we're family. 
We're family. We're family. A group of women who are family. During the first meeting, I recall being nervous and filled with question, uh, with questions like, what am I supposed to do in the group? Will they be okay with my son coming with me? Will they welcome me? And praying that my son Connor will be the best on his best behavior. <laughs> How many, now that, mama, I, we've all been there, right? I, I got young adults and I'm still praying they're on their best behavior. Well, those fears and worries all went away within three minutes of arriving there. My son and I were welcomed with a genuine and an authentic sisterly love. I then quickly learned and realized that these women, uh, that these women, uh, I, I, uh, I'm sorry, that these women, I wasn't a member of a life group, but I was a valued part of their family with these women. They encouraged me, they mentored, they motivated me throughout my walk and through my journey. To sum it all up, they did life with me. Now that's powerful because we are a family. They did life with me, never once leaving me to journey through life alone. They're sisters doing what great sisters do and that's uplifting each other and building each other up. Doing, uh, during one of our meetings, I spoke to my sisters about the excitement of my School of Discipleship journey. I remember Miss Joyce asking me, where do I feel that God is leading me? Well, anyone who knows me knows that I have always felt led to serve women and children. From that day, I don't think I can recall a time they didn't pray, encourage, and bless me with their support. As of today, I'm grateful to see my calling manifest and to be given the opportunity to be the sister to others that my sisters have been to me. A life group is a very essential necessity to everyone's spiritual journey, and I'm sure that anyone who has joined a community can attest that it's not just a life group, but many times it feels like a family. And that man, they're a lifeline to me. The truth of the matter, I end with this. She says, is you really can't walk your spiritual journey alone. You need a group of people to walk it with you, whether it's through great times or not so great of seasons through school of discipleship encounter. And she says in parentheses, and man, if you haven't been on an encounter, let me just say, run to the next one at top speed and don't walk. Man, I love you, Michelle. I mean, it was almost like I had you, it was like I wrote this and then I had you sign it. I mean, this is so good, so good. Or maybe it's just a normal day when it seems like the same old, same old, you need someone to journey with you. That's why I'm so blessed to know that CLC gives us the resources to join and build communities with one another. And my hope is that you, speaking to the congregation, will also take that opportunity to join, grow, and build also. Can we thank Michelle for her testimony? Stand up one more time. Now that testimony was so good. And Michelle, thank you for sharing that with us. And one of the things that's important that you heard through her testimony 
is that she began to share with you that Sunday morning services, or let me just say a, a few social media feeds, is not enough for your faith to grow and for you to survive. Many people think that if they're, they're liking a few social media feeds right now, that that's enough for their spiritual life. But let me tell you, a Sunday morning service or a few feeds is not enough. Why can I say that? How could you say that, Pastor? It's because your faith is not an event. Your faith is a journey. It's not an event. Why are so many now gotten delusioned uh, uh, in their faith? Why are so many dropping out? Is because their faith was an event. It wasn't a journey. Oh, they're blaming the church. But let me tell you, it's because they saw that church as an event was enough for their faith. And I'm here to tell you today, it's not. Your faith is a journey and it's meant to be taken with others on a journey. Now, yes, there's a reality that I understand as one that shares God's word with you every week. And that is that between sharing the truth of God's word and you receiving it is a big gap. There's a big gap between hearing and doing. So when I share a message, when I share truths, you walk away. How many of us have always walked away sometimes saying, yeah, that's great when the truth is presented. That's wonderful, but how do I live it? How do I apply it? What does that mean? How do I implement it into my life? What do I do? And if there's this gap between me preaching and sharing truth and you receiving it and leaving with nobody to help you process how to do it and live it out in your life, then that gap means that all of a sudden, if you're not careful, your faith becomes an event. And when your faith becomes an event, when the storms of life, when crisis come, when pressures come, you don't have what you need to hold you up and to see you through. I like the way Paul says it in another uh, book of the Bible. Paul, the writer of Philippians, says in Colossians chapter 3 and verse 16, to the church of Colossae, he says, let the message, let the sermon, let the truth that is preached about Christ in all of its richness. And man, I love that. As a student of the word, don't you love the richness of God's word? Don't you love when you get a nugget, when you get a secret? Don't you love it when you, when you really start digging in and you see the richness of God's word? I'm just telling you, I love it. When I get lost in Bible study and I, I get lost in studying God's word and, and God just begins to speak, I love it. And he says, Paul says, let the message about Christ in all of its richness fill your lives. In Christ alone, let the message about Christ in all of its richness fill your lives. Now, Paul is saying right there, don't let it just be an event. Don't let it just be about Sunday, 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 or a few social media feeds. No, 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 no. Let the message about Christ fill your lives. Now, to do it, he says this. If you're gonna let it fill your life, Teach and counsel each other. It's not just preach good messages. It's not just go have great services. No, 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 no. He says, do what? Teach 
and counsel each other. You see, when the message goes out, when the truth is proclaimed, then you teach and counsel one another in all of the wisdom that he gets. So here, I'm here to tell you today that CLC doesn't just meet on Sundays, but we meet when we get into life groups and small groups all over South Florida during the week and and whenever we gather together. And can I tell you, we have all kinds of groups, men's groups, women's groups, couples groups, single mom groups, youth groups, young adult groups. We have groups for online. So there's no, no reason that nobody can be left behind or left out. When someone says, what time does your church meet? Well, that's a tough question. Because our church meets in so many locations at so many times all through the week. So we're building a community, not just a service. Man, I've got to tell you, I know, I know that I know that I know that real growth happens, not just when I preach the message, but real growth happens when you're in relationship. When you're in the brotherhood, when you're in the life group, when you're in the women's meetings, when you're walking with others, God uses each other to teach and the counsel and the wisdom that's there helps us. And as a community, when we choose community, we really grow in our faith. And so Paul says in Colossians 3, let that message of Christ in all of its riches fill your lives as you teach and counsel each other with all of the wisdom that God gifts. You see, my life, my part is walking out. Now, the God part is that God begins to transform and God begins to do a work in me. So God's part of our scripture today is a process where God begins to grow me. And how does God work in me? That's the sovereignty of God when we look in Philippians. Well, I've come to learn that God works in me through the work of the Holy Spirit in my life, first of all, that the Holy Spirit guides, he leads, he speaks. As I'm walking my walk of obedience, the indwelling of the Holy Spirit is working in me. He empowers me. He gives me strength to do his will. Man, he, 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 he shows me where uh, my will is battling his will. And the Holy Spirit begins to put a finger on those areas of self-centeredness or pride and conceit or where I'm trying to rule myself or where there's a self-sufficiency that's developing in me. The Holy Spirit in the gentleness of who he is begins to speak to me. And don't you appreciate that about the work of the Lord? But God also works in me through the word of God. God's word teaches us. Can you say amen? I mean, God's word, if if you're reading it, if you're in it each and every day, it leads you, guides you. It's the word of truth. It's the bread of life. It gives the river of life to your faith. It quenches your thirst and it gives you direction because it's the guidebook for you and I. Paul, uh, uh, John says this, the word of God, John 17, in verse 17, use the what? The truth, Jesus is saying to the Father, to make them, that's you and me as disciples, complete. And God, your word is truth. Can we say amen? And so God is helping us to see that it's through the Spirit 
it's through the word that teaches us. Paul says it this way over in Ephesians, Ephesians chapter four, then we will no longer be like children forever changing our minds about what we believe because someone, circle it, has told us something different or has tried to make a lie sound like the truth. Instead, we hold on to the truth, underline it, in love, becoming more and more like Christ, who is the head of his body, the church. So God works in us through the word of God. He works in us through his spirit. But I've also come to learn that God works in us through circumstances that we walk through in life. Problems, pressures, the the headaches of life, the difficulties and the stress that you and I may uh, face, they're always getting our attention, but they're helping us to see God and to hear the voice, to understand his will in the midst of those circumstances. Proverbs 20 and verse 30 says, sometimes it takes painful situations to make us change our ways. How many have found that to be true? Painful situations. And then lastly, I have also understood that God works in me, not only through his spirit and his word and problems and circumstances, but through people that God had put in my life. That's what we call a community. You know, the word community, a biblical community in the Bible, in the New Testament especially, the Greek word was a word, uh, uh, and it said this way, koinonia. I think I have it, koinonia. Biblical community is koinonia. Now, koinonia, the Greek word here, and I don't do this often, but it's a very important word. This word, koinonia, means that I actually experience God when I'm in community with believers. You see, I don't just experience God in isolation and when I'm alone, but I actually experience God in community with you. So if you're absent or if I'm absent, or if you're not in community with others, you and others are not experiencing God the way he wants us to experience him. Paul, who is our writer in Philippians, Paul says it this way in Romans. In the book of Romans, chapter one, now Paul is writing to them, he's in prison, and he says, I want us to help each other, underline it. I want us to help each other with our what? With our faith. Paul says, I want us to help each other. And he says it this way, your faith will help me and my faith will help you. That there will be a strength in our mutual encouragement. Now, Paul is saying, listen, to the church of Rome, it's difficult, you're under persecution. Life is not easy as a Christian in Rome. And he says, how do you keep your faith in Rome? How do you live strong in Rome? He says, the way you live strong is that My faith will strengthen you and your faith will strengthen me that we will sit together and we will share our faith with one another and in that, your story and my story and their story will strengthen each other. Man, it's powerful because 
Many are disconnecting from the faith and walking away from God. And they're saying, I have no purpose or reason. And they're getting in isolation with themselves and the Lord because they're saying none of this other stuff really, really helps me. And the problem is, is their faith was an event and it wasn't a journey. And if we're not really connected with one another, we can't spur one another on. So Paul says, how do you keep your faith? An essential step was that you get into a biblical community. The life group. Now, a life group is like a circle. In fact, a few years ago, I, I preached a sermon. You might remember it if you were here, that we need to join a circle, not just sit in rows, but get into a circle because circles really get to know one another. The reality is rows don't know. On this row, you don't know what anybody else is going through on the other side of that row. You're there, you're listening to one person sing or preach or, or lead, but in that, you are isolated with one speaker in your faith with God, and then we will leave. And rows don't know. But when you get into a circle, when you join the brotherhood, when you get into a life group, when you get together with other single moms and, and other uh, uh, couples and, 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 and women, and, and you begin to get into a circle, Circles know. They know what's going on. They know each other's family. They get to know what are the experiences in each other's life. And they begin to share stories with one another. And your life intersects with somebody else's life. And as it intersects with others, you encourage one another in your faith. And therefore, we say circles know, rows don't know. And we've got to get into a circle and we've got to allow other people to get into our faith so that they can encourage us and we can encourage them. I really believe that relationships is what makes the message real. We've shared with you the illustration before about the redwood trees in California. These trees can be 1,500, 2,000 years old. They can grow to hundreds of feet uh, uh, high. And, 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 and when you look at them, they're strong, they're wide. Some of them get so big you can drive through them. But if you really study it, you see that their roots are not deep roots. They're actually shallow, but the strength of that tree is not the depth of their root, but it's that their roots are intertwined with each other and they get interlocked with one another and therefore when winds blow when storms come no matter what it goes through the redwood still stands because their roots are interlocked with one another and it supports and sustains each other and that's what we need in our lives as well to survive can I hear an amen we need that in our spiritual life well Paul says that this is what helps us when God in his sovereignty is working in us, that we're in a koinonia, and that koinonia strengthens us. I really believe this is why Hebrews talks about not forsaking the gathering together. Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 24, let us, say let us. Turn to someone, say let us. Let us what? Think of ways to motivate one another. To do what? To do acts of love and good works. Let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do. Let us not neglect meeting together, but instead encourage one another. 
when especially we recognize and realize that the day of the Lord's return is drawing near. So this is what the Hebrew writer is saying. Don't give up on this idea. What idea? The idea of being in a community. Don't give up on the idea of getting into a circle and choosing a community. It's a choice that we have to make. It's a choice. You see, you won't, you won't naturally drift into relationship. In fact, naturally we drift and we pull away for most of us. But when I choose community, when I choose to join a circle, when I make a decision that rows are not enough, when I choose that I'm going to be in part of the spiritual growth campaign, when I choose to get into a small group and a life group, I choose to take the card and fill it out. I'm making an intentional choice. You see, you can't do it if you don't choose to be a part of it. If I challenged you to take this card or to click the link and fill it out and you just let it sit there, then the reality is you've made a choice. But it's not a choice to get into a circle. I don't think it's a choice to really say, I want to grow. Because a choice to grow says, I'm going to join others in my faith. I'm going to be a part of a spiritual family. I'm going to spur one another on. I'm going to let them spur my life on. Yes, we're all tempted to walk our faith journey alone. We're all tempted to, to, to just let it be us and God. It's easier when we don't let others in. But the reality is I don't grow like that the way God wants me to really grow. In fact, Paul told young Timothy this in 2 Timothy. He says, enjoy the companionship of those who love the Lord. Choose the companionship. Now, as I wrap up, the last part of this chapter goes very easily because now it's just a reminder of what Paul's already been saying. As he says, listen, when God is working in you and you're working it out in your walk, there are some attitudes and actions that are reflected. And so he says in verse 14, he says this, do everything without what? Complaining and arguing. So what he's saying is be grateful for what's in your life. Don't, don't be murmuring. Don't, don't see what divides. Don't look at everything that's wrong. Don't let hurts bring you down. Don't elevate yourself. No, no, no. Be grateful. Do everything without complaining or arguing. Can I make a challenge to you? Can you do the next seven days? The next seven days. Now we talk about fasting. We talk about prayer. We talk about serving. We talk about a lot. For the next seven, for the next seven days. Originally I wrote 30 in my iPad. And my, my iPad program has an eraser and I erased 30 and I wrote seven. Let's start small. For the next seven days. How about trying to do everything without complaining? For the next seven days. Just try it for seven days. Remember, we're building up. We're not tearing down. We're encouraging. We're not discouraging. No, we're going to build up. We're not going to complain. He says, be grateful for everything. In verse 15, he says, so that you may become mature. 
you may be blameless and pure, the children of God without fault, within a crooked and a deprived generation. What was he saying is be godly. Be godly. If God's working in you and you're really working it out, the fruit of it is godliness in your life. That you're in Christ. In Christ alone. Man, that means really that there's a garment of righteousness that we put on. He goes on to say in verse 15, so that you can become blameless and pure children of God without fault in a crooked and deprived generation in which you shine like stars in the universe. As you hold on to the word of God in order that I may not boast on the day of Christ that I did not run or labor for nothing in vain. He goes on to say, verse uh, uh, 17, but even if I am becoming poured out like a drink offering of the sacrifice and service coming from your faith and glad and rejoice with all of you so that you too can be glad and rejoice with me. Man, he's talking about being bold, being light, light in the midst of a deprived and crooked generation. And then lastly there, he's talking about being joyful. Now he flips and he begins to talk about Timothy and Ephroditus. He begins to reinforce the relationship that they had. And, and I love this and I want to read it to you as we get ready to close. Paul says this about these two men as he's talking about them in his life. Man, he really points out some qualities of them. In verse 20, he says, For I have no other, speaking of Timothy, I have no one else of kindred spirit who will genuinely be concerned for your welfare. He's talking about Timothy. And he's saying Timothy has a kindred spirit. Now, when you're in biblical community with others, can I tell you, that's one of the things that starts to develop is that there is a kindred spirit. You begin to see from the same perspective. You make a determination together that you want to live for God, submit yourselves to the Lord, that you desire the will of God, the blessings of God, the favor of God, that there is a kindred spirit that begins to develop. I mean, that's what Michelle talked about is that in these sisters, I found a kindred spirit. In this relationship of, uh, of, of the brotherhood and, and the sisters and, and, and the life group, there are deep friendships and relationships that begin to form and there's a kindred spirit. When you join a life group, one of the fastest ways of developing this kindred spirit with one another is that you begin to worship together. You begin to study the word together. You begin to pray for one another. Empathy begins to flow. You share your faith with them and they share their faith with you and your faith is getting stronger. And when that happens, can I tell you that you're developing a kindred spirit? A second thing that I really see as he talks about Timothy and Ephroditus in verse 25, he says, but I thought it necessary to send to you Ephroditus. He's my brother. He's my fellow worker. He's a fellow, fellow soldier who is also your messenger and minister to my need. 
Man, when he talks about Ephroditus, there is a sincerity. There is a warmth that's there. There is a love and an affection for, for how he sees Ephroditus. Can I tell you, one of the qualities of biblical community that begins to develop is not only kindred spirit, but it's loyalty. And man, we miss loyalty in our generation. Those that link arm and arm and walk with us. Maybe another key word is they're committed to us. There's a warm affection. I mean, if you were friends with Paul, don't tune me out, please. Don't, don't, don't lose me. If you were friends with Paul, and you can gauge this by your friends around you right now, would friends around you right now write this about you? That you're a fellow brother. That you're a soldier. That you're a warrior. That you're a messenger. That I can, I can trust them. I'm sending them to you. If your family has a need and you're in another country or another state, who would you call right now? Who's the brother or the sister that you can depend on when you're laid up in a hospital bed? you can't get out of that bed would this be said about you when things are tough when things are difficult in life do you have people that are in your life you see we have to choose community and you can't choose community when you're in the need no it's developed before you get to the need and there's a loyalty that gets developed in a relationship that's there now, will relationships be tested? Yes. Will you agree on everything? No. Will there be tough times in the relationship? Absolutely, there will be. Don't cancel the relationship. But be determined to work it out and to walk together. And that leads to the third commitment that I see coming out of biblical communities is that as we encourage one another. There'll be difficult times, but encouragement helps us to lift one another up, to encourage one another, to strengthen one another. My mind paused there for a moment because all of us have probably felt those moments where we were close to somebody and they begin to pull away from the relationship. Some do it because of, of, of the vulnerability of getting close. Some do it because they don't want people to really see. You begin to encourage them in, in the Lord and, and they begin to reject you. And, they, and, and, and they're saying, don't judge me. And they begin to push away. When the reality is they, they really don't share the same heartbeat. You see, there's a difference of friends and mission. We have a mission to the world. But we are friends when we walk together as the body of Christ. So today... I think Paul would help us to see from the second chapter of Philippians that we've got to choose community. Can I hear an amen? Choose community. Before I end in prayer, I want you to take that card one more time. If you're online, I want you to click the link that's popping up. Maybe you're in the room and you'd rather do this digitally. You see the, the, the information on the screen. And that information will take you to a digital page. But today, will you choose community? My goal 
is that everybody will be in a circle. I plead with you and I encourage you, don't walk out today and not choose community. Some of you, you've heard this year after year after year. Some couples are here. You need community in your marriage. You need community. You need others in your marriage to encourage you in your spiritual growth. You need community. What I want to do today is help your faith to find some friends. Because friends will help you grow your faith. If you'll take this card and fill it out. Then I'm going to ask you in a moment when I pray, I'm going to ask you to pass it down. Ushers are going to be walking up and down. For those that are online, I want you to go ahead and begin to fill out a link or QR code. Or if you're on a TV, take your phone and go ahead and snapshot real quick the, 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 the link there that, that you can use later to get to the site. Whatever it is, don't let the moment leave you where you know where to go to sign up. But today, I pray that you'll choose community. As we start our spiritual growth campaign next week, you got to get this kit. If you're in the building today, we're ready for you in the lobby. Go ahead, go by, and we'll get you a kit. If you're online, you can order your kit. We'll ship it to you this week, and you'll get your kit so that you can be with us in the spiritual growth campaign. Lord, as we come to the end of our message, today you show us through the, through the Apostle Paul the importance of spiritual community. And the last choice that we make is a choice to join community. I choose community. I choose to get into a circle. I choose to bridge the gap of truth to real life application. I choose to let my faith be interwoven and interlocked with others. I choose. I choose today intentionally making a choice to let my faith find some friends. I choose today to take your word as what it says and that is not neglect the gathering together. I choose to get out of a row and to get into a circle. I choose today. And as we make this choice, we choose now for the next six weeks. We choose not to miss a week. We choose to let the life group and the weekend services come together like two wings of a bird. It's going to help us to grow. It's going to help us to fly in our spiritual life. We choose to daily, to daily follow the devotional guide and allow it to grow our faith. Today we're making some choices. And those choices will lead to spiritual growth. In your name we pray. Amen and amen. And amen. And amen. If this ministry is making an impact in your life, why not help us make an impact on the lives of others by partnering with us today? You can give through our CLC app or at clcftl.org forward slash give. Thank you for listening and remember to subscribe for more inspiring messages like this. Now go and be messengers of hope.